one of the things that I've decided to do while there's nothing else to do is finally tackle Moby Dick. Mm, as a, j- jumping on that dick, huh? I'm I'm jump I'm jumping on the dick. <laughs> I'm I'm I'm, ride, I'm riding this dick all the way through the quarantine. You posted a picture of that book. That's a big old book. In it's it. it's pretty big. The copy that I have, not counting all of the uh, like introductions and sort of like biographical information and bibliography and stuff, it comes in at about six hundred and fifty pages. But the thing is, like, I always thought this was boring. Everybody talks about this being a very boring book, and it's delightful. He's very funny. It's it's like it's magical. It's it's one of the greatest books ever written. It's so wonderful. I mean, it's sort of. I mean, obviously the prose is kind of antiquated, but like he's just so I don't know phlegmatic and and actually very humorous through the whole thing. I'm really enjoying it. I read like a hundred pages of it today. Melville's poetry is really good too. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's a I don't know. That guy could just kind of do it all. Yeah. See, I, I don't I I am not somebody who knows a whole lot about poetry. Like I like to read John Keats and I like Edgar Allan Poe, and that is about the extent of my exposure to and you know i don't know what makes good poetry uh neither do most poets okay (laughs) i mean it's pretty purely subjective especially since you had like the erosion of like form right like form is not really a concern in poetry right so like you could judge it on more of an objective basis when people were sort of like working in like villanelles and shit you're like oh that's kind of a trite villanelle but like no one's doing that Robert Service has those like rhymes that happen like in the middle of the line and at the end of the line, which is very clever. Ba- basically, like what he wrote was Western songs, just like incredibly clever ones. Yeah, it, it's but without that, like it's just sort of like uh, purely subjective and uh, whatever resonates with you, I guess. So, yeah, yeah, sure. You got Patrick Stewart reading all those like Shakespeare sonnets. Okay, uh, sure. On his, on his I mean, Instagram Live or whatever. Yeah, Shakespeare. I've I've heard lots of people talk about that guy. I don't I don't know what the deal is, but um, <laughs> apparently he was he was very talented also. So yeah, Moby Dick. That's it. That's that that was the pre-show. They should make a movie out of it or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't they just make a movie with Thor with the Thor guy? Did that happen or did I like imagine that? Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Who does he play? He's the whale. <laughs> he, he plays Moby. Yeah, he. Made, this is a movie that came out in 2015 called In the Heart of the Sea, which I, I guess maybe is inspired by <laughs> Moby Dick. Oh, it's the story of the real life seafaring crew that inspired Herman Melville yeah, to write Moby okay. Dick, apparently. Yeah, yeah. That is some fucking Inception shit right there. Right. Yeah, why wouldn't right. I just watch a a movie adaptation of Moby Dick? That's like you already <laughs> right. have you already have the best version of that material. Like it it's widely considered the greatest novel ever written. Like legit the greatest story ever told. It's like Michael Scott Michael Scott listening to the book on tape of the novelization of the movie <laughs> based on the book by Sapphire. Yeah, I don't that's trying too hard. It's right there. <laughs> it's too many, too many media trophic levels going on there. This is yeah, directed by Ron Howard, 
And yeah, it's just vanished into the ether of the culture. You know, it just came out. It made a hundred million dollars, and no one even <laughs> remembers that it existed. People aren't super Amazing. into killing whales at this point. Like that's that's part of the thing. Like you read some of the like the absolute bloodlust that these people had for whales, and it's like, and some of this didn't age real well. <laughs> it didn't. It disappeared because it's not Moby Dick. Like it's just <laughs> they, they made their own bed here. <laughs> Welcome back to the Liquid Flannel Podcast from Arlington, Texas. I am Matthew Hodges, joined once again by my ineffable comrade and co-host in omaha nebraska brendan who's back from his break hello brendan man it has been a while yeah you've been uh it has so been an eternity so you've been gone for about two weeks and i, I was curious yeah what time. did i miss did anything yeah. happen <laughs> were, been, were you like were you checking the news the whole time or or did you just come back to basically it was like you came back from vacation and it was like 28 days later like all of the streets are abandoned <laughs> um, yeah you know, people chasing you out of public. Yeah, I wish that I was able to kind of unplug from the news, but it really was not possible to to do. Even if you weren't personally following the news, literally any person that you interacted with is that's just all anybody would talk about. Right. Like you would go to the gas station, and like the guy next to you at the gas pump would be like, "Yeah, man, uh, this shit's crazy out here." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it was not relaxing. You walk into the convenience store and they've got little squares marked out on the floor. And they're like, you have to stand there. We're practicing social. That's what they're doing at my 7-Eleven. So when I left, you know, it was I went to Indiana for my grandma's funeral. So fun vacation right there. Oh, for geez. sure. Real, real relaxing. Yeah. Time. Sorry, buddy. But then when we were out that way, we were like, oh, well, let's go visit my wife's sister who is in Kentucky right now. And so we were like, oh, it's only another like five hour drive down to Kentucky. And so then we went, we were like, I don't, maybe we shouldn't go, but we were like, ah, we're already here. So we, we did end up cutting the trip like a day or so short. And we, we kind of left Indiana a little bit earlier and went down to Kentucky. But, uh, like while we were in Kentucky is when the whole, uh, quarantine thing, like really, it started going wild. Yeah. And Kentucky was actually pretty fascinating because they have a Democratic governor right now who is actually taking it very seriously. But the citizens of Kentucky were not, including one guy who refused to self-quarantine even though he tested positive. Oh, great. And they literally had to, like, uh, declare a state of emergency so the governor could enact the constitutional state powers to like, <laughs> like get him arrested quarantine, forcibly quarantine that guy <laughs> right, or whatever jesus and then like two days before we left they were like no more restaurants and we were like well that's not great because like we're in we're a hotel. on the road right yeah yeah we were in a hotel and literally like when we were checking out of the hotel they were like this is good timing because we're actually just going to shut this entire hotel down like tomorrow oh my god <laughs> you know as we go along with this story it, it would behoove us now to bring in our our third co-host no oh. Um, oh yeah <laughs> uh apologies apologies to our our third co-host uh once again uh joining us really coming through in the clutch for us uh being a substitute for us tonight um from kansas city we've got mac hello mac well howdy i 
that guy in you said Kentucky. Yeah, that is the scariest shit I can imagine. Every time I hear about people like doing shit like that, it, like it's just like I, I'm just like chugging abyss juice, like oh, straight. <laughs> Mac, uh, one of my one of my men's lib moderators also lives in KC, and he was like. My the neighbors, you know, whose backyard meets my backyard, they're having a house party tonight. And it's like, oh, cool. So that's just going to be one of those other hubs of, you know, we see we saw these stories coming out of, you know, there was the the guy like breaking down and sobbing, um, who you know er, initially went viral because he was doing spring break in Miami and it was like, if I get coronavirus, I get coronavirus, and like had to release a public statement it was like, I dramatically underestimated the extent of you know the risk here i i regret my actions but like the damage is done at that point oh yeah i think i might have discussed this the last time i was on like i work in an essential industry yeah Um, yeah. oh you work at the weed store I, (laughs) i i work at a at a hardware store and uh i get why it would be called essential but that is not why it's it's not being used essentially uh, <laughs> this guy came in and like most of my coworkers, like we, we built like barricades to keep people back from the registers. Yeah. Like to keep them like an extra three feet back. Yeah. Uh, so and, throw like, us your purchases, week- fucking gambit your debit card over to us. We'll run it for you. Just grab as many nails as you want to get the fuck out of here. I don't even give right, a shit. Yeah. Dude, if people were getting nails, I would not be <laughs> living in like the hell that I'm living in. But people are not buying nails. We can go into that later probably but uh but this guy like my 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 co-worker was wearing like a mask because there are no masks in the store like we're just bought out and we can't order any in so we we actually made some like from hand stitched masks and then we took uh, uh allergen extracting vacuum bags that get onto five microns <laughs> oh, yeah. and cut nice. and cut those and then like uh, and then like safety pin them into these homemade masks. Oh, that's genius! And you know we're just trying we're just trying to like get by and not be like fucking terrible carriers for everyone. You know what I mean? Right. right. And this guy starts laughing and he's like, "Ah, oh, you're fucking you afraid of the cooties? Afraid of the beasles, buddy?" <laughs> and <laughs> and my coworker was just like, just uh, trying to get through my day, trying not to not to kill somebody's grandma. And the guy Jesus. grabs grabs his fucking forearm with his bare hand, and rubs his rubs his hand up and down on my coworker's forearm, and goes, "You got my cooties now," and then leaves. Did he get cooties though? <sighs> did he get did, did he get the cooties test? Do they have what? cooties tests where you are? <laughs> Yet what, to what? be seen whether cooties contraction has happened. What the fuck? I mean, I mean, Mac, that's. You know, I saw somebody post this sort of uh, ironically the other day, but like, at what point do stand your ground laws start to kick in? It's oh, we're there. I mean, it's gonna happen. I have seen firsthand just how fucking black pilled and insane your average middle class at like American is. Like, (laughs) like unequivocally. Like I've always known, but it's. It's one thing to know and another thing to have it demonstrated in front of your face. Yeah. No, that's bonkers. When when a guy comes in, I got asked to help load potting soil today <laughs> for someone's garden, which is already fucking surreal, right? Like you get a notification on your phone that's like 1,000 die from coronavirus and then someone's like, yeah, I'm doing a raised bed this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, thought I'd, I thought I'd get some of those roses out there. 
Yeah, so it's you're like, gonna need that homegrown food. So yeah, so like they're I'm, on the right track. I'm loading this potting soil to this guy's fucking trunk of his car, and he's like, "Man, I'm so glad you guys are open. I was getting so bored, and <laughs> I almost like." It was like in Vertigo, where like Jimmy Stewart's just like falling down the spiraling hole. Like that's what was happening inside my brain. I was like, I'm gonna fucking die. I'm gonna die because because of this guy's fucking squashes. He wants to grow butternut squash. Yeah, a fucking tweet. It was like, are are you in the right mental state to to accept you know a viral load that could damage you? Yes. <laughs> like we're all doing. Like everybody on the front line is not only doing, you know, actual physical labor, but now they're also doing emotional labor for everybody who is just getting stir crazy. Yeah, I've been I've been asked to carry the like fucking psychological burden of like two entire zip codes. Jesus. Uh, as they as they're like, I think I'm going to try sweet peas this year. <laughs> it's if I don't get this insane. ship lap up in the in the guest bedroom, then the virus wins. You know, yes. I can't let that happen. <laughs> it's I might have even posted about this on Twitter a little bit, but it's just like having someone come up to you and be like, Have you heard of pickling? I have like some damaged floorboard and regular stain doesn't really work. It's kind of like a whitewash. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. I've heard of pickling. I've heard of pickling. I know what it is. <laughs> I know what it is. <laughs> like that's my day. What are they so. making floorboard pickles now? I don't think I would try that. No, I. It's, I mean, they're delicious. You just enough <laughs> vinegar, floorboard. enough vinegar and garlic on anything. They got. They got to sit for a long time, though. You know, I mean, you, you definitely do it. This is more of like a pressured situation, right? Right. This right. Is not a re- <laughs> this isn't. You know, this isn't the uh, refrigerator pickle. Of our youth. So, yeah, Brendan, you you came back to uh, functionally the apocalypse. It's wild out there, man. We've been working from home. We At my work, we went from like maybe like 10% of people work at home like sometimes to 100% of people. Yeah. And there's over 10,000 people. Right. Uh, and this is, a call, this is a call center. Yeah. So they're working from home. Which is kind of, it's wild. It's absolutely Well, it's kind of wild, wild. because, so it's I, been I don't know, man, like, I used to work that same job. Uh, what we're talking about is like a call center sort of customer service job. And it always kind of baffled me that we all had to show up at the office for this because it was the essential job requirements were you're at your computer for, you know, more or less eight hours a day answering phone calls as long as you've got a strong internet connection, like, why couldn't I be doing this with no pants on at home? Yeah, well, no, we're doing it. So uh, there, right. there was absolutely no reason at all, but uh, we're doing it now. So, uh, yeah, it's happening. But it's it's actually good that it's so busy because it really does keep me occupied because after 5 p.m. when you're just stuck in your house, oh, what should I do? I don't know. Let's just check the news. Millions dead in the streets. And you're like, oh, okay, uh, well, uh, maybe we'll watch a movie or something. Yeah, maybe, I don't maybe, know. Maybe we'll just work a little <laughs> bit more and not think about Maybe that. I'll just lay in the darkness in bed and stare at the ceiling and, uh, you know, ponder my own mortality for a good seven hours right. and then uh, do it all over again. <laughs> well, and I, I know that must have been really weird for you, though, to, I mean, I was thinking about you while you were out on the road and like, yeah, what happens when all the restaurants get shut down and like, you've got kids on the road with you? Where the, what do you feed them? I, I imagine it was a lot of like, 
chuck wagon sandwiches and like pringles and stuff that you bought at like convenience stores yeah we were doing that and like a lot of places like the drive-through and stuff was, oh, sure, was yeah. still open so you do that but they'll just like there's crazy lines and like right when it first started so they didn't really like have a great system yeah yet uh it's actually crazy now we um we just went to texas roadhouse put out a thing that was like the CEO of Texas Roadhouse is like forgoing all pay so that he can like increase the wages of all of the staff at the Texas Roadhouses. But they have converted into like a to-go order place. So I went to the Texas Roadhouse parking lot and they like had people out in the parking lot like with cones and stuff. And they were like, oh, here you go. You, ch- you check in with someone and they're like, go sit in like spot number 29 and they had it all like spray painted on the the parking lot and stuff like that. Right, like it's yeah. just wild the changes that have happened so so quickly. Yeah, that that's just the new normal now. Yeah, it's wild. Well, we've, I mean, we've mentioned it on the last couple of episodes. Which uh, apologies, listeners. Uh, I've been in sort of a uh, uh, what do you call it when you panic so much that you just go kind of like catatonic and like paralyzed acceptance of what the world is, but can't get any work done. That's where it's I've called- been on. America, man. Yeah, that's that's just uh, that's where I've been on getting our episodes edited. So hopefully you'll have lots more content uh, coming coming real soon. But uh, one of the things that we have discussed, and I think a big theme of all of this, you know, uh, going back to what Brendan was saying about people working from home, like this is the most amazing example of like the mask is coming away from capitalism. <laughs> like all of these. All of these tiny cruelties that have been inflicted on us that we've just gotten so used to all of a sudden are brought into sharp relief. And it's like, well, is this really necessary? That's not helping in this situation. Let's just get rid of it. And I think that's I think that's a really interesting theme. You know, we, we talked about like cash bail getting suspended a lot of places and like the, the roof isn't falling in just because we got rid of cash bail. It turns out this was just a shitty thing that was baked in. And now we shouldn't do that anymore. I mean, the the call center thing is like a big tell, right? You know, yeah. not having to well, go I mean, having got- having to go into a call center isn't about any level of organization or utility. It's so that someone can be over your fucking shoulder <laughs> to make sure that you're like physically meeting metrics, right? Yeah, exactly. Like it, you know, it, it has nothing got- to do with the job. You've got a lot of, like, disability Twitter talking about, like, I asked for concessions like this, you know, constantly for years, and they kept telling me, like, no, it's bad for team morale, or, you know, coming with other, like, kind of bullshitty, like, HR reasons why they couldn't work from home, but as soon as it impacts everybody, and, like, really, we don't need everybody coming into the office, it's like, no, you get this thing that you've been asking for the whole time. Turns out, a lot more people could have been working from home the whole time. Well, and, and I know that that must be... You know, pretty important to to both of you because both of you have kiddos of your own, but also like you know, I take care of my sisters, uh, especially the daughter, the the three year old. A lot of times, now everybody has more time at home and they can be face to face with their kids. Though I understand that that's a burden. Also, if you've got like homeschooling that you're supposed to be doing, keep kids up on their like math and social studies during the interim. Yeah, we've taken this opportunity to really, like, teach our kids the survival skills that you need, uh, you know, just uh, whittling. Uh, we got our son reading uh, that book, The Hatchet, 
by uh, uh, right, Gary yeah, Coulson, yeah, totally. where that guy survives in the wilderness. Yeah, the, the, the zombie apocalypse survival guide by Max Brooks. Yeah, yeah it's like, finally, finally, we can get down to the real education. <laughs> Every, everybody turned into a prepper overnight. I told my friends since we were doing homeschool that my kid's going to come back not believing in dinosaurs. <laughs> like, like, I'm just going to start teaching her straight creationist stuff, like as a... Like as a amount of deprogramming, <laughs> like right. like no, now this is your problem. Sorry, David STEM Cross lab. David Cross had a bit about how he wanted to uh, raise his kids Amish, but not actually be Amish, just raise them as Amish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a uh, that's that's where we're at. I mean, it, it is kind of weird. I, I feel bad for people who. I'm lucky that my wife also works at the school, and so she is able to really dedicate a lot of her time to the kids now. But, like, right. if that wasn't the case, and we were both trying to, like, work full-time jobs from home, and then it's just like, well, kids, why don't you just homeschool yourself? You're six? Like, yeah, figure yeah. it out. You know, here's the syllabus. You go nuts out there. I'll check in with you in five yeah, hours. Six-year-olds six are great at task management. Yeah. Like that's that. kind of the setting boat. Setting themselves a schedule. That's kind of the boat we're in at my house. Uh, my wife's <sighs> job has gone remote. I am, of course, uh, a... Uh, Paul in that dirt. Yeah, I'm, I, am a, I am a pawn to be thrown on the spokes of history. Um, <laughs> so, like, we're, like, trying to, like, muscle in this, like, schoolwork for my kid. Uh, and it's been like it's been challenging, um, you know, because like the stuff your kid like isn't like, you know, super like adept at like is the stuff that's the most frustrating for them. And like when your kid gets frustrated, it's so easy, it's so like so much easier for you to get frustrated, right? Sure. So, like that's actually been really challenging because like you're working with them on things that you know they need to like push forward on. Every teacher should be paid uh, a lot of money because. <laughs> I can't imagine doing that with like 50 kids in a room. Oh, you've, seen you know a lot I mean? of, you've seen a lot of sentiment like, the, you know, like all of these people who are suddenly working from home and trying to manage the the syllabus for homeschooling their kids. And they're like, yeah, how much did teachers want? $100,000, $120,000 a year? Like, yes, let's do that. Let's just make that happen because obviously they are worth it. Well, I, I think that's I think that's a decent place for us to take a break, gents. Um, when we come back, I would like to talk about uh, maybe a little bit about um, adaptation. Uh, we we've talked about how we're all adjusting to the to the new reality, but maybe talk about some of the the ways that you see yourself or your community kind of adapting to this. And I would also like to talk about some of the political implications, um, particularly electoral, um, going forward. So why don't we take a break there, and when we come back, we'll we'll dig into those topics. Come on, baby, don't feel 
So somehow, um, Missouri has become a hotbed of terrorist activity. Uh, you may have seen the Missouri Walmart liquor, who has now been charged with terrorism for licking things in a Walmart on Snapchat or some what shit like that. What the fuck? <laughs> no, I did not see that. Was just uh, somebody trying to get like YouTube clout? They were doing, yeah. They were doing, they were doing TikToks of them licking yeah. everything. He was like, "Who's afraid of coronavirus?" And then showed him like licking up and down the aisles of items in WalMarts. Oh my god! You remember? Uh, you know, just like just like six months ago, there was that video that came out of the oh the ice cream, the ice cream, the the little black gal who like licked a thing of ice cream and put it back. Uh, and everybody lost their fucking minds. Yeah. And I she mean, was like healthy. Yeah. It's pretty gross. Terrorism. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. But uh, man, this next guy uh, makes the Walmart liquor just look uh, quaint and adorable because yeah. uh, apparently uh, a crazy right wing QAnon guy was mad that coronavirus is a dem plot against Trump. Yeah, so sure. he was gonna. No, it's like, all part of the deep state. Yeah, he was gonna like Oklahoma City bombing a fucking hospital to Jesus Christ prove it. I, I don't even know what the fuck. I, yeah, I, Mac, I struggle Mac, to pick, understand. Pick up the narrative here, right? Because that's that's kind of in your geographical area, and maybe you have some insight for us. Yeah, I mean Belton, Missouri, where it happened, is about thirty minutes south of Kansas City. Um, it's like part of the sort of like ex-urban townships outside of uh, outside of uh, the city, but like still counted in the metro. Yeah, um, it is uh, like many uh, cities in the sort of ex-urban ring around like a metropolitan core in the Midwest. Uh, probably the most dangerous place on earth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is fucking insane uh like there are lots of like normal places and people like the or, or normal people in places like Belton or like blue springs or whatever which is like to the east by like 30 minutes but it's also like if you want to know where like the three percenters in your particular area live if you want to know where like all yeah, the fucking sure. nazis live like that's where they live they live in those areas Right, um, it's, the, it's the very, it's the very, the very white communities, maybe like middle to upper middle class, um, people who really don't have a whole lot of socialization anymore because they live in these little uh, kind of um, like petri dishes of everybody who thinks exactly the same as them, or you know the worst petri dish, which is online, obviously. I, I mean, there was, I believe it was, like, a county official in Belton that had, like, a uh, a racist YouTube channel where he wore, wore, like, an Afro wig that was elected in, like, 2016. Uh, to give <laughs> you, like, a peek <laughs> there. Um, I, it doesn't surprise me. I'm just going to say that. It doesn't surprise me that it is one of these places on the outskirts of Kansas City where something like this happens first. Uh, it, it's... It's like the, it's a hotbed of psychosis. These parts of any city or, or any metro area are like the hotbed of like American psychosis. All of the information you get about the world around you is filtered 
by whatever your particular choice is, right? Like, if you're if you're getting uh, news about the place you live in, it's like your choice as to what it is. Like, there's no yeah. forced information to you, which is like a perfect cre. It's perfect for reactionary politics, right? You know, yeah. you just take all of the sort of natural, like ambient. Not, I shouldn't say natural, like ambient fucking racism and misogyny and uh, conspiratorial faking of American culture. And then you just filter it through like, oh, this Breitbart guy makes a lot of sense. And that's the only thing I will trust now because I can. I don't have to find anything else to trust ever. Yeah, for sure. Oh, gosh, it was that um, the I think it was the Seattle area NPR um, said, like, we will continue to report, like, everything coming from the government. However, we will no longer be live streaming Donald Trump's press conferences because there's so much, like, misinformation and disinformation in there that we can't fact check in real time. We think that's that's actually doing a public disservice. And so, you know, every single comment on the tweet that they made was like, defund npr like oh we're in soviet <laughs> russia now Dude, npr is like one of the most useful tools of american empire ever created okay that is that is not the that is not even the topic see the thing is i i don't Sorry. i don't even dis, i don't even disagree with you however i think that that was a very responsible choice that a public broadcasting channel made and yet the reaction from reactionaries from conservative reactionaries was you know this is just more evidence that you know like the government should never fund like national public radio again uh, yeah i mean uh, i was i was more reacting to like those to like those comments right like it kind of shows like what i'm talking about where like when you yeah, reach they, this, they don't you even reach know this. how fucking they don't even know how fucking reactionary npr actually is yeah you know but but when it comes to like keeping information that's actively harmful like you should go and drink chloroquinone you know even if you find it in you know a, a what was the fucking uh aquarium oh, sanitizer yeah. you know you know like donald trump has a personal death count at this point because uh, mm -hmm. that's where they got that information this couple that went and drank aquarium cleanser because they had chloroquine in it and like he died and she's in critical condition and We'll probably get the we'll get the row row and you know also die. It's fucking horrible. Like it's hard to even process a a world around you in which that's like a possibility where people just like drink poison because the president says it's okay. Yeah, it's like, like that's that is straight up fucking Lovecraftian. It's it's in, yeah it's 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 hard it's hard to handle. Like I said, like this whole thing. People keep talking about how this is showing like the stresses inherent in capital and the state, right? And like, uh, to me, it's showing a lot of the stresses and just sort of like those the way those things affect the mind. Yeah, you know, like yeah, just just like basic uh, societal mentality. Yeah, like to to be the funny one was when uh, Mitt Romney got tested for coronavirus and the te he like announced like, oh, I, the test was negative, but I'm still going to self-quarantine. And Trump's reaction was like, bummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> 
that uh, that sucks. I wish he oh, would have got then, coronavirus and died a bit, Robbie. <laughs> oh, and he followed it up with just like the funniest tweet he's ever made, which was like, you know, I'm I'm jumping with joy. I'm so overjoyed that he tested negative, even though he's been a horrible senator and was like a massive failure. <laughs> so good, like absolutely number one, one of the best posters in the game. Yeah, at first I was like, man, maybe Trump will get coronavirus, but I think if he did get coronavirus, he would probably just like, he would take everybody down with him, you know? He'd be like, you know, coughing in Mike Pence's face on the daily. Oh, 100%. Uh, Well, and the thing is, you know, somebody mentioned that to me the other day that, you know, like, what what if Trump himself gets it? And I was like, I don't think it'll kill him. I think he's too stupid and stubborn <laughs> to let something like that kill him. He would just yeah. bluster his way all the way through it. Yeah. He's he got that that power of ignorance, you know, where it's like the Looney Tunes that like runs off a cliff and he yeah, just exactly. runs on the air until he looks down, you yeah, know, as, as long, long as he keeps Trump, staring straight ahead. Trump never looks down. <laughs> he would just he's keep in, walking. Invincible. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be the first person in history to ever just bullshit their way back off like the verge of death (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can see the political (laughs) cartoons now oh i'm pretty sure that's going to be the title of this episode just you know never look down (laughs) yeah but you know thank goodness though we have a, a strong and uh united uh you know oppositional political party to sure stand up for um you know the the deficit and uh you know <laughs> how are we going to pay for it uh it's it's an amazing it's an amazing uh, conglomeration of uh, of ideologies that are now swirling around in in Washington where i think um you know if joe biden survives to uh actually make it to a debate with trump which uh you know questionable uh Trump is going to be like, we need to do Medicare for all. And Joe Biden is going to be like, well, how are you going to pay for it? Um, yeah. And then and then and then Joe Biden or a black and then hole Donald will Trump open ends up, up on winning. stage and swallow yeah. the universe. <laughs> yeah. D- Donald Trump ends up winning California and New York. <laughs> See, I, I honestly don't I don't 100 percent buy the, the outflank on the left. Um because like you, you saw them like try, you saw a few Republican senators try and like do like UBI shit in the past couple weeks, right? Um, and then immediately they were told to shut the fuck up. Like they were uh, as soon as they were like, "Oh man, this this makes a lot of sense. These social democratic reforms make a lot of sense in this situation." Uh, the people who like really in power in those parties, you're, uh, you know, you could say your power brokers like McConnell or whoever, right? Or like, shut the sure. fuck up. That is not right. what we're going to do. We are going to dump a bunch of fucking uh, public money directly into the stock market. We're going to rescue Cruise Carnival. We will not give anyone a goddamn dime. So I don't, I don't know, like Trump might say some shit like that, but I don't know if that wins anyone else over. I, I agree with your I agree with your current assessment of the situation, Mac. However, <laughs> I think that the longer this thing goes on and the more I mean, try to put yourself in Donald Trump's head, right? Like he's yeah. gonna find himself he's gonna find himself blamed for a failing stock market and a whole bunch of people dying, and he is going to be casting around for 
anything that could salvage his the only thing the guy's ever cared about is everybody loving him right and he'll he'll finally latch on to something which he does he watches tv all the time you got fucking tucker carlson and other like fox news talking heads you know talking about the need for you know this is why we really should have universal health care he'll latch <laughs> on to that at some point you know he's loyal to nobody maybe stephen miller is running the show still at this moment but we don't know if this goes on for another if it goes on for a month if it goes on for two months do you think donald trump is not going to be just absolutely tearing his right. hair out you know looking well, for something to like kind of recover his image and for you know for any normal candidate you would say well they might want to do that but then they would think through it and think oh this is so complex and you have to actually put a plan together and blah 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 oh yeah he Don't, doesn't, he doesn't have to do any of that no so uh, he just has to say it and he, he already did say it i mean he said when he was running in 2016 that we're gonna do health care and the government's gonna pay for it and it's gonna be amazing or whatever so like he's obviously going to say that Again, and even more because he knows that it's going to be popular. But to me, it, it is it makes me feel torn because on one on the one hand, I do like that, you know, Mitt Romney's calling for like fucking direct payments and like UBI type shit. You know, some Republicans are starting to turn around and say maybe we should do universal health care and stuff like that. But uh, at the same time, I guess I just worried that the Democrats are going to be like, well, now we have to oppose that because that's just what we do yeah. is just oppose whatever the Republicans are saying. I mean, Ugh. it's possible. But I mean, like the the hammer of capital applies to everyone who's not willing to take it on wholesale, like the way uh, like the way a Sanders did, right? Like the way Sanders is doing. If you're trying to, like, make friends with this thing in its current state, I mean, you're talking about, like, a class of people who have not taken an L since 1975. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Like, no one's fucking touched them uh, longer than I've been alive. So any loss, any juice that they're handing over is going to be 100% on their terms. Like, you know, uh, with, with the, the quantity. Okay, yeah, but Mac, okay, uh, but, but we're not talking about them actually passing policy that's going to help the working class at the expense of capital. What we're talking about is them being able to message the things that they're doing as helping the working class, which they, they absolutely will be able to do because, as Brendan points out, you know, the Democrats are, well, I mean, the ones who are fucking showing up because Joe Biden was literally absent for like a week. You know, but sometimes people even, have to go on vacation. Okay, but the, but, the, but, the, <laughs> but the ones who are actually showing up are also doing this sort of like, well, we need to make sure that like nobody over a certain, you know, they're doing this means tested sort of wonkery bullshit. Whereas the Republicans can get away with, we saw it with the big tax cut, right? It was like this is the biggest tax cut in American history. It's going to be great for workers, and everybody, you know, at least on their side, loved it, even though that wasn't the truth. They get the they get to commit a, a like a leftward media coup without actually having any of the fucking substance behind it. That's the thing that worries me. I, I think the telling thing is like you saw that uh, they were saying like, you know, Tr Chuck Schumer, you know, masterfully, single handedly, you know, fixed, saved everybody in America by, you know, 
inserting a provision into the bill that said that, you know, Trump couldn't get a bunch of money for his hotels or whatever. And I was like, man, I really could not give a shit less if Trump gets money for his hotels or not. Like that really doesn't affect me at all. Like that you're not helping me by, uh, by doing that. And also fucking make them like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? That dude can literally just be like, oh, this is my fucking $5 million now. And you're not going to do shit. There's nothing you can fucking do. Like, he just does crime out in the open. He could have, like, fucking taken Chuck Schumer's wallet out of the back of his pants and walked off. (laughs) It didn't fucking matter. Like, they have no tools. He should. He should absolutely fucking take Chuck Schumer's shoes. That that would be that would be how he wins all fifty states. Just just <laughs> ab- like like grab Chuck Schumer's head and give him a noogie on the Senate floor, and that's it. <laughs> like that that is the end of American politics. Yeah. Oh God, it was you were back. You were going to talk about quantitative easing or whatever. It was like the the head of the Federal Reserve or whatever was on TV, and he was like, he was like, "What are you going to do to you know fix this whole economy or whatever?" And he's like. Oh, well, we just like go to a computer and we just like put in like, make the money, boop, 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 yeah. and, then right, it's yeah. do- and then it's yeah, done. I mean, that's, and- that's the meme, right? Like a uh, money printer go. Yeah, <laughs> they just, they walk into a room with like a big lever that says money switch and they right. just like, they just like crank it like a slot <laughs> yeah. machine. Is that, and like that's that, it. that drill tweet, like turn, turning the quantitative quantitative easing lever up and looking over my shoulder like a contestant on The Price is Right? Yeah, <laughs> like there's apparently a big money button that they just take turns going in and slapping sure. every time it looks upsetting. <laughs> yeah, and you can just do that forever. It turns out, like we we all thought, like, well, you can't you can't do that because it won't work. And they were like, well. Normally we say that, but that's actually bullshit. We we could do it whatever the fuck we want as long as we want. Right? Yeah. Uh, no. This is a this is this is the golden era for like blue dog Democrats who were super concerned about the deficit. Like this is this is their day in the sun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Finally, when they want to give like people who work at Subway six hundred dollars, they can finally stand up and be like, "No, sir." Right. I will not allow. This is where I draw the line. My my fiscal principles will not allow this. They will link arm in arm with Ben Sass and be like, "But this that creates an incentive not to work or whatever." It's like the fucking restaurants are shut down, bro. Right. What do you fucking well, mean? Well, and God, I mean, it's not like the it's not like the fucking media is helping either, right? There was a, a just an absolutely deplorable CNBC headline just yesterday that said uh, Bernie Sanders joins with four Republicans to block the <laughs> stimulus bill. <laughs> and if you and if you read the fucking article, what you would have learned was that the four Republicans were trying to block uh, extended unemployment insurance benefits. And Bernie Sanders says, look, if they're if they won't drop their block. I will block the bill because he has the ability to do that, I guess, procedurally. Uh, but of course, CNBC was like their their headline made no note of the nuance of that situation. You know, a better headline might have been like Bernie Sanders holds up bill until Republicans like fucking help people. Uh, but no, Bernie Sanders joins with Republicans in order to block stimulus bill. What the fuck? Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's the allied powers of capital like you know like it's right they're they're gonna they know which side their their bread is buttered on and they they can just uh 
they can just write whatever they want and get away with it. I mean, uh, it's it's pretty instructive. Like now we know now we know what we need to do in a lot of ways because uh, any of the things we could possibly count on, like positive media coverage or the word getting out, it's like oh you got to do that all yourself. There's no help. There's yeah. like CNBC, uh, you could you could. Uh, rescue orphans from a fucking burning building in your like local DSA chapter. It'd be like local communists drag children down flight of stairs. Yep. Like that would yep. be <laughs> exactly that would be the exactly. battery bruised. Yeah. yeah. Well and what's what's been fucking me up, Mac, is that, you know, this this moment in history seems like it ought to be, you know, one of the biggest openings for the left to be able to do the sort of uh you know, community building, mutual uh, support, like building resilient community structures sort of things, except that the nature of the crisis that we're going through right now prohibits us from ever getting together. So we're all just like sitting in our houses going like, God, if only this were, if only the super, the the Yellowstone super volcano had gone off, like we would have so much work to do right now. Yeah, no, I, I think it it'll be really interesting to see because right now we're we're so we're still early on in it and we're right in the middle of it. But you know they're doing shit like let's send everybody a check, let's pay for everybody's health care, let's cover people's lost wages, let's increase their pay, let's take every fucking homeless person on the street and put them in temporary housing put so them that, in the fucking hotels. The hotels are empty, right? So yeah, right, shit like that. Where then. It's going to be really interesting, like, two or three months from now, where they were like, okay, well, back on the street, homeless people, like, get the fuck right. out of here, you know? Yeah. Like, how's that going to go? You know, yeah, being like, a- well, that was cool, temporary universal health care, but now we're going to yank it back away from I mean, please, there was know? a story just the other day about a guy who, he got ticketed for being out, like, after the kind of citywide curfew because he was homeless. It's like, where the fuck did you expect him to go? To jail. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't even want to get into the fucking jail situation. Those, I mean, some of those reports that you're seeing out of, like, Rikers Island right now, just oh, yeah. awful. Just absolutely fucking got awful. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think maybe the silver lining could be that it, it does start to open people's eyes to, you know, the, the possibility of, like, what could happen as long as you, like, quote, unquote, label it, like, a, an emergency or, you know, a public health crisis or right. whatever, um, that it turns out, like... Some of the stuff that for years and years people said like, well, you just can't do it. It's like, well, you actually could do it if you if you wanted to do it. Yeah, uh, and could could have been doing it this whole time, right? And so it's going to be. I think it, there's a really strong case to be able to go out and say, well, look, coronavirus is over, but that doesn't mean that you know these things aren't still helpful to society. Yeah. And so even though there's not you know this urgent crisis. There are other urgent crises that <laughs> right. you know I mean, necessitate the same actions and have been happening for years. They're just normalized, so people ignored them. I think that's the political caginess, right? That you're seeing between like Democrats and Republicans on it. Because like you, you obviously see people at least having some sort of like moment of humanity out loud, uh, <laughs> like ill-advised. Obviously, like they should never express that they have human thoughts or emotions. Uh, but like, <laughs> like that's bad for business. But they, 
like the doing that and then uh then being like oh yeah because like universality right like those type of programs like you can't like yanking them back is bad news right like like you know for years one of the truisms of fucking like national politics right the presidency if you have tried to cut social security with the exception of maybe joe biden but that's yet to be seen um like social security or medicare you're fucked you know what i mean like if that's something that is provable on your record you probably don't make it to the presidency so i think like if you expand like universality like that, uh, even in an emergency situation and people are like, actually it was pretty good when everyone had a house and didn't have to pay rent. And uh, you guys had an ownership stake of some sort of, you know, uh, you know, in 95 mask manufacturer. People (laughs) had good jobs there. Right. Like there's, uh, that's actually pretty good. Uh, It's hard to take that away. It's hard to make people believe that this thing is that is clearly good is a bad thing once they've yeah once once you make something like that an entitlement then people just assume that it's part of the system you know and the problem is that you know the the ownership class have been so good at propagandizing people like out of that sort of mentality like you don't get to own anything you're you're pulling yourself up by your bootstraps make your own individuality and start your own thing that you own even though you work for me fucking 55 hours a week mm-hmm. yeah then you get to you know go wake all the deodorant at walmart or some shit like that's what you right do. that's your big reward <laughs> well brendan mentioned something about a silver lining and we don't necessarily call that that on the show but we do call it a high note and i think it's time for us to Take a little break and hopefully, you know, find some of those, some of those high notes for you to take us out of the show on. I'm, I need them. I need them. Uh, we all do. <laughs> in April, supposedly, it dies with a hotter weather. And that's a beautiful date to look forward to. Now, the virus that we're talking about having to do, you know, a lot of people think that goes away in April with the heat as the heat comes in. It's going to disappear one day. It's like a miracle. It will disappear. And- Uh, They're going to have vaccines, I think, relatively soon. And they're going to have something that makes you better. And that's going to actually take place, we think, even sooner. So it's uh, a lot of good things are happening. I think they think we're doing a really good job in terms of running this whole situation having to do with the, the virus. A lot of good things are happening. I've always known this is a this is a real this is a pandemic. I felt it was a pandemic long before it was called a pandemic. Are the words about a pandemic at this point? No, we're not at all. And uh, we're, we have it totally under control. It's one person coming in from China and we have it under control. It's uh, going to be just fine. Before we get into the high notes proper, I thought it might be kind of fun to go around the table and just get a sense of like, what kind of things are you guys doing as, you know, like positive adjustments in your lives or adaptations or, um, you know, like, you know, personal or maybe family resiliency sort of stuff? For instance, um, you know, I'm reading a little bit more, but really what I'm doing is doing a lot of uh, cooking and like cooking big batches of things that can be prepared. I got a sourdough starter started today, so we'll see if I'm capable of making edible bread even if it's not the best bread in the world it'll be edible for my family so that's that's a thing that we've been doing around here that actually is kind of nice i mean 
the circumstances are terrible, but I like cooking at home and it'll be fun to learn how to bake, I think, since I have all this time to do it. Sounds good. I, I'm a I'm a big I like I like baking a lot. I like making muffins. Yeah. I got a good recipe for pancake mix if you want it. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah not, cool. It's nice to have that hanging around. I've never been the biggest fan of pancakes, but you can use pancakes for not breakfast food. You can wrap up savory things in them. The ones that I had, I had to doctor the recipe because most pancake recipes actually don't have enough sugar or salt in them that I've come across. Okay. And like hmm. if you add if you add like more sugar and salt to them, they're generally like more flavorful and it tastes more like a like an airy sweet bread than it does like a tough bread. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> So, All right, well, we'll, we'll be posting Mac's uh, pancake recipe in the uh, show description. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure to send it to you. Have you, have you guys, uh, have you found yourselves doing anything, changing habits in any way that, you know, you think are like a weird silver lining sort of positive thing in your life as a result of having to spend a lot more time at home or think about things, you know, on a longer time frame or, or what have you? I'm definitely petting my cats more. Sure. I think that counts. <laughs> Honestly, I think that counts. I, I did think the uh, the tweet the other day, me to my cats, like, I'm so glad that we're getting to spend all this time together. We're going to finally get to know each other. And, like, cat to me is like, this is when we sleep. Yeah, we're doing that. We're we're doing uh, we're doing more Ring Fit adventure uh, on the Switch. That's a fun time. Oh, okay. Yeah. The the weather's been kind of uh, kind of gross and and rainy and cold here still. Yeah, so, it's not uh, really cooperating with the uh, the Omahaans. Yeah, so trying to find ways to still stay active but be inside. That's been fun. Yeah, sure. How about you, Mac? You you changed anything major in your in your life that you're gonna come out of this crisis going like, I'm glad that I picked up that skill. I haven't picked up any new real skills as far as like home stuff just because like I, I don't know, I was like a cook for so long and like a butcher and stuff. Like I kind of have those things down pat. But Yeah, yeah, sure. As far as like home stuff, like I've been reading more. I'm uh, reading uh, N.K. Jemison's the, the fifth season right now and it's really, uh, Ooh, really nice. nice. Finally finished my copy of Doomed City by the Strugarski brothers. Timely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and oh, and, you know, like, uh, I've been helping out with my kids' homework, like her schoolwork and stuff. So we watched a uh, mini documentary on uh, Diego Rivera's uh, murals in Mexico City, the history of Mexico City told through murals. That was really cool. I think the kind of establishment media is going to be shocked at the number of, um, super hardcore either ultra conservatives or ultra leftists uh that come out of this because all of their <laughs> parents had to homeschool them for like a year uh yeah i mean she was definitely asking questions like you know like you know who's lenin why is he in that picture who's karl marx they keep talking right. about that guy and it's like let me tell you something kid <laughs> those are two of daddy's why, favorite people why, why is why is he in this picture but not that other picture like mm -hmm. oh okay yeah cool yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think everybody's doing uh, a lot of, uh, like, home adaptations right now. So, really, I mean, if, if you are a listener and you want to tell us, you know, what you're doing around your own home or in your community, uh, we'd love to hear it uh, on our Twitter, which we'll, we'll plug at the end, of course. But, uh, but now I think it's time for the, the actual proper high notes. And I'm going to go first on this because uh, mine mine, mine's kind of trivial, but it's also kind of nice. Um, there's a 
a journalist, he's a sports journalist in, in the UK named Nick Heath, uh, who is a, he's like a rugby commentator, you know, professional like sports commentator guy. But because there are no sports right now, he's got nothing to do. So he keeps posting these tweets of him just like him at the park. And he's just sort of narrating what he's seeing, but with like <laughs> a sports commentator uh, sort of uh, sentiment and um, professionalism to it. So I'm going to play just one of these little clips here uh, to, to give you a flavor. Crossroad dash, light turns to red. We wait for the beeps. There they are now then. JD Sportsman, he's got a decent start. Leggings on the outside. Oh, JD Sportsman's been distracted over the shoulder and Leggings is going to get there. Oh, she does it again. Three titles in three days. Off past Vegas Gold for the lap of honor. Victorious. Anyway, I think that's nice. It's 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 fun. It's like, man, what the hell else is this guy supposed to do, right? Like, this is his living and, you know... He's he's out of work. He's out of work like so many people are, but he's making at least he has a thing that he can like make fun videos out of, you know, in the interim. It's time to invent new sports, people. Use your quarantine time to invent some some sports. I want to see him. Oh, yeah, there's a like the marble rallies, you know, like marble rally guy has always been. Oh, I was into that guy way before the quarantine. I was kind of getting a little mad. I'm a marble hipster. We could get, we could get super. Yeah. You're a marble head. It's gotta be something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. I've been marbleized uh, for sure. (laughs) But yeah, everyone was like marble racing. It's the new hotness. And I'm like, dude, this guy's been doing this since like 2013. Now you're into marble racing. Oh, of course. I've been spreading that marble aid on my bread since. Yeah. (laughs) So that's my high note. Um, I, I appreciate this guy who's, you know, just just trying to make the best of it, using his skills for... There's actually a Sports Night episode about that. Anyway, I'm not going to go off on that. <laughs> <laughs> Time for a rewatch. Well, my high note is along the lines of, you know, what you were talking about before. Uh, it is actually today, me and my wife's ninth anniversary oh, from hey. our marriage. But we've been together for over 20 years at this point. Hey. Uh, uh, and and no, I'm not that old, actually, <laughs> although it seems like it. But yeah, it was really cool. It was actually really cute. We went, we kind of told the kids like, oh, yeah, well, we're going to have like, we're going to order in tonight. Like, we haven't done that a lot since we've been home, but we're going to do it, have a special thing or whatever. And they were like, oh, that's cute. And so they like made, we didn't tell them to do it. And they just made some like little signs and they were like, oh, we'll watch a movie. And they made a little like ticket booth and they were, oh, you know, so oh they could have the experience of going out on a on a date even though we were staying home it was it was incredibly adorable and uh i'm just gonna brag about it a little bit there it was fun and also anybody listening to this that's uh that's copyright brendan williams so please do not build this into your (laughs) coronavirus hallmark movie you know without reaching out to liquid flannel and we'll, (laughs) we'll work out some fucking uh royalties from that yeah, it's on spec. That's amazing. They got to at least hit the Patreon before that, right? Right, like, yeah. Like, at least, <laughs> at least drop a fiver. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful, Brendan. That's, that's the that's cutest really shit nice. I've ever heard. It his, was great. His it was kids really are super great. fucking cool. I've, I've met them. They're both awesome. Every once in a while, they, they pull one out. <laughs> well, that's terrific. How about you, Mac? What, what do you got for a, for a high note to take us out on? Uh, you know, I don't know if this is a high note for everybody. But, like, uh, I am, so, like, Matt, I, I think you and Brenda both know this about me, that I'm, like, a big, I, like, I, re- I read a lot of comics. Like, I've been reading comics my whole life. I'm a big fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Brandon and, and I hate comics uh, canonically. We, well, we, yeah, you're in luck because that one company stopped like delivering comics. They're never going to be physical <laughs> comics ever again. Oh yeah, Diamond, Diamond, yeah, like yeah. Oh, they're Fucking they're wild. They're really interesting. So like, Diamond has like this monopoly on like all printed oh, comics. Oh, yeah. So there's this uh, YouTube channel I've been watching, and if you're like interested in like the medium of comics. It's really fun. It's called Cartoonist Kayfabe. Oh, And it's right. two dudes, uh, Ed Piscor and Jim Rugg, who are like kind of like auteur comic artists. Like they write and draw and ink and color everything they do, which is like very unique in American comics. Like almost no one does that. Essentially, they do an entire series on sort of like breaking down like storytelling structure and sort of like tropes and homage and things like that, like within different comics, almost panel by panel. And it's really fun mm. to watch. That's really cool. Yeah, and uh, also, you know, if you are a person who's a comics fan, uh, like everybody on this podcast currently is, uh, remember that the giant corporations that have publication rights over various comics are kind of dropping the ball on this and like maybe seek out some of your some of your comic artists some of your comic writers uh they're all on twitter i guarantee it twitter and instagram um just go and search their names you will find them you know now is a good time to be if you've got a buck to spare supporting these people who are going to be basically out of work because comic book stores are absolutely they're probably done at this point, right? There's only like I think like one or two left in the entirety of Kansas City now. Yeah. And there used to be one like per neighborhood when I was a kid. I mean, I can't see a lot of those shops surviving this. I can't see a lot of things surviving this. I mean, so much GameStop shit's gone. So, <laughs> not oh, yeah. coming back. Yeah, totally. So much American retail is just based on like having one or two holidays that like shore your shit up. Yeah, well, I mean, it, I mean, it, it kind of turns out that uh building your entire economy on everybody works for a place where you either sell them a thing or you serve them food um turned out to be that was a bad bet in the long run. <laughs> Yeah, it turns out uh, banking on stability forever is uh, for dumbasses. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite tweets that I've seen recently was like, is it just me or is anybody else having a problem with, with their Falcons that they don't seem to be able to hear the Falconer? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think I think we'll leave you with that. Um, that's that's about the end of the program. Um, I, I am Brendan. I'm going to make an editorial decision though, and I'm going to say that ordinarily what we do is uh, we do bonus episodes for Patreon subscribers. However, we understand that pretty much everybody is going to go into financial straits. So I think just for the duration of the coronavirus like however long it takes us all to kind of get back to work we'll just be doing those bonus episodes for free you can find them at the patreon.com slash liquid flannel but we're just going to start releasing all of those for free because you don't need to be paying us to fucking talk or do, or do you you could still though i mean if you, you, wanted you could to. You, if you get that thousand dollars from the government you're yeah. not sure what to do with it yeah i yeah. mean if you guys don't want to pay liquid flannel you could pay me 
uh, <laughs> just I got a PayPal. Just hit me spend up your, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Spend your twelve hundred dollar check on an AR fifteen and a little bit of ammunition, and then if you have a couple <laughs> of bucks left, you can send it to our Patreon. But by all means, take care of your families first. We'll, we're just gonna suspend the fucking subscription for a little while. Mac, where can they DM you and uh, ask uh, to send you money? <laughs> yeah, uh, you can send me money at my Twitter profile, which is uh, at Ole Mac Dunn did it. I love your name. Oh, thank it's you. It's so good. <laughs> my mother gave it to me. Uh, <laughs> it's actually, actually the maiden name. Yeah, the maiden name is Dunn did it. Uh, <laughs> Dunn did it. That's, <laughs> that's a traditional Missouri sort of name. The old Missouri Dunn did it. Yeah, are you are you are you from the Versailles Dunn did it? <laughs> yeah, I know you. Well, we're really glad that Mac uh, joined us tonight. And, uh, you know, if you've enjoyed this program, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at liquid underscore flannel. And I'm Matthew. I'm at Matthew Goyt with a W. And Brendan is also on Twitter. At Brendan Williams with one L. Yeah. And uh, we encourage everybody to... Do all of the, just do the CDC shit, like do the fucking safe social distancing, wash your hands, like we have an opportunity, like a small opportunity to make this not a giant disaster, so let's just like treat it seriously. Practice your leftist morals of collective action and let's, let's make this thing not as big a deal as, you know, it could be. It's the only time where you can just, you know, sit inside, you know, watch as much YouTube as you want and feel superior to everybody else. Yep. Yep. That's right. So just revel in it. Yep. They're they're literally offering to pay you to stay home and, you know, like master your hearts game or like catch up on those movies. Yeah. Take advantage of it. We're, we're only going to have this one opportunity. After two months back out on the streets, everybody. <laughs> it's going to be a great party.